This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roar, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. All right, final hour here uh, for a Monday version of the Brock and Salk Show, Sales Sports on 710, salesports.com. Fun to just spend half hour talking baseball with you, Brock. And yeah. yes, uh, we will uh, be down in spring training just a couple of weeks from now. We'll be down there the final week in February. So that's like, what, the 26th? Through the first, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually that's when the Seahawks do their biggest moments and biggest news. So uh, we'll look forward to talking well, Seahawks from there, as uh, seems to happen every year. Well, they got a big one next week, by the way. The Geno I mean, decision. I and mean, that's coming right around the corner. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, we'll be talking about that for yes, sure we as we get closer. I think you first have to find out who the offensive coordinator is. And I think that will give us a little bit more understanding of what it is they want to do with Geno, either short term or long term. I, I feel like I need that piece of information before we really dig into the Geno stuff. And we don't have it yet. The one thing we know about this coaching staff is that Leslie Frazier is the first hire mm-hmm. from the outside. And I, I, I just really like it. I, I like the I like the experience. I like the name brand. I like that it sort of legitimizes, not that he needed it, but if you're mm-hmm. gonna have a 36-year-old head coach. I don't think it's a bad idea to legitimize him right away, especially with free agents and other assistant coaches who you're trying to lure here. Yep. A term that Daniel Jeremiah likes to use, and maybe he's the only one that said it other than myself, and that is just connective tissue. How important is that connective tissue in the league, around the league, with coaches, with players, with staff, that when you have been there and you have done it at the level he has, and he's bounced around. I mean, he's been in some different organizations, right? It's just this guy is going to have a bead on other assistants. He's going to have a bead on some other players, going to have a bead on free agents that he just schemed against or, or was with there in Buffalo and in the AFC, right? There's just those... Those connective tissues that when you are 36 mm-hmm. and you've been in one organization in the NFL, I mean, Mike McDonald's been in only one place and a pretty esteemed place, right? A pretty good training ground and and you, you love what he did. And I do think that year in Michigan mattered as well. I don't know if he gets this job. And he spoke to a little bit of that in his presser. And certainly when we get a chance to talk to him, which I think is going to be this week, mm-hmm. when we get our first opportunity to sit down with him, I think that year when you kind of leave the cocoon, and you've now got to be a coordinator and you've got to call the shots. Wow. And oh, by the way, you got to do it for Jim Harbaugh in a year that he's got to turn it around and win. And you did just that. If he's been in one place, Leslie Frazier, of course, played for the Bears. Uh, he was on the 85 Bears as a player, as a coach. <laughs> Trinity International, University of Illinois, Philadelphia Eagles, Cincinnati Bengals, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, 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 Tampa Bay Bucks, Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills, now Seattle Seahawks. That would be a quarter of the league, seven of the 20, seven of the 32 franchises at the professional level, let mm-hmm. alone some of the other stops on the way up. Yeah, seven different franchises that he has been with and, and kind of seen it. And oh, by the way, if you kind of look at the reports, there were about six that wanted him, that wanted him to fill this role and some that even wanted him as a defensive coordinator. And so, you know, you love that you win that bidding more and that he wants to be the one to 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 bring up Mike McDonald as a head coach. 
So he must have had some crossover. When was he in Baltimore? Is, uh, is 2016. He so he was there with Mike McDonald. Yeah, he was in the secondary coach at the time. There you go. And he's kind of done it all. I mean, he's been he was an assistant head coach as early as 2006 in Indianapolis. So not that long after you were there. I mean, like a few years in the NFL. So as long as Mike McDonald's been alive. Uh. Well, he's been in the NFL coaching since 1999, oh, so no, not okay. quite. But he's been coaching. I guess, he's been coaching since 88. Pretty yeah. close. Yeah, he's 36. I mean, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. He now only they... had one shot as being a head coach, though? Doesn't that seem kind of odd? Mm-hmm. Like, he never got another shot after Minnesota. He's been done in Minnesota since 2013 and never got another shot at head coaching. But I really like that they bring it in. I like that move. I think that's a really nice start for them. And as I mentioned earlier, Brock, there's just something about the newness to this team that I has me, like, just fascinated about what the whole thing is going to look like when you actually see the product out on the yeah, field. Yeah, as hard as it is to say goodbye to Pete Carroll and everything that Pete – Gosh, I, I think who who do we have on at the end of last week that just kind of spoke to it? you? Just kind of knew that an you know the end was inevitable. You just kind of had to mm-hmm. make this change. It just kind of hit a spot where thirty first defense, thirty first defense. It just is not to run it back. Just would not have felt right. So you kind of split right of split mind. Like on one side, you love Pete, you love the culture, you love all of that. And I was telling Molly this actually just the other day. Actually, as we were driving home from church, somehow we got into this discussion about the Seahawks and coaches. And I think it was because of the news that Steve Belichick's going to be the defensive coordinator there for Jed Fish in Washington and just talking about Belichick and Carroll. And she's like, what happened? You know, like I, I love Molly's kind of broad questions at times. Like, what do you think really happened? Why, why couldn't Pete really turn around? I said, Molly, because Pete didn't hire Mike McDonald to be his D coordinator. Mm-hmm. When Mike McDonald was the D coordinator in Michigan for that one year. Now, obviously, he had a poll and relationships and connections back to Baltimore. And when John called, hey, you're going to be my D coordinator. But that's the kind of guy, that 30-something that yep. Pete needed, that innovation, that chasing edges, that scheme. And, you know, they just didn't go down that road and, and went with, you know, someone they were more familiar with and elevating really a system that was still Pete's system in so many ways that Clint Hurt was trying to operate and run. That's nice that she asked you that question. Yeah. That's not at all like the conversation I had with Heather last night. I was trying to explain to her that, <laughs> how Belichick and Carol's kids were going to be together here at the University of Washington. But in order to get there, I had to be like, so... On Friday, we talked to this guy, Jed Fish. Do you know that the Huskies have a new coach since they played in the national title game? And she was like, what? What? And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> did you know the Huskies were in the national title game? She's like, yes, I did know that. I'm like, okay. After that, their coach went to Alabama. She's like, oh, wait, I think I did know that. So that's yes. where we had to start nice. the conversation nice. before yes. eventually bringing it around to, to Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick's kids Talk coaching together. Steps. Just like you talked about, atomic habits, what right? You don't, show them, you don't show them the whole end picture. Right. You don't show Steve Belichick on the sidelines right. in game to your wife. You're just like, no, here's the little step and right. this little progression. Do you so. remember what happened a few weeks ago? <laughs> Has this crossed your radar? It's such a great barometer, though, of like what actually crosses her radar and kind of, yep. you know, you know. I always enjoy that little sense of things. So. What kind of coordinator offensively do you want? If I use the parallel in the first segment talking about this with Sean McVay adding a, a Wade Phillips, mm-hmm. an esteemed older guy, much like a Leslie Frazier, but, but he could turn the defense over to Wade to run that defense. What kind of offensive guy do you want? Do you want young? Do you want innovative? Do you want a little gray hair? Do you want someone that's called it at the NFL level before? 
I mean, I think these are the manifold of many questions yeah. that they're they're digging through and processing right now. I don't know that I, I, mean, I, you I don't have, know that I care that much about those answers at the moment. I'm trying to think and like I don't I don't know that I'm as I'm as concerned about it. I think I don't want a first time play caller. I will no? tell you that. New. No. Nope, nope, nope. Because I think there is something and Pete alluded to that with Clint Hurt from year one to year two and Shane Waldron from year one to year two. Hmm. There is no substitute for experience. There is no way as well trained as you are as a position coach that you can all of a sudden go into it and start to understand how do I call plays to get to the next play? How do I stack those plays together? So, but you're how okay do I play? Oh, college experience absolutely counts. Did Ryan Grubb call the plays though? Uh, a thousand percent. Oh, I yes. thought I thought DeBoer called no. the plays. Oh, no, no, no. He's up in the booth, and he called all of the plays. Now, DeBoer is a good sounding board, and on fourth and one at your own 27, mm-hmm. Kalen DeBoer made sure. Now, do you feel good about this? Yeah, I feel really good about this. You know, So, no, that was all Ryan Grubb, and he called it at Fresno State as well, much mm-hmm. like Kalen DeBoer called plays at Indiana and other stops along the way. No, I need somebody. I'd feel much, 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 much more comfortable with somebody that's got a track record of doing it at the college level or the pro level. Doesn't well, have to be pro How, how many people are available that have done it at the pro level? I don't think there are that many, right? Uh, certainly I the, ju- the, 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 that we've heard the names come out. I mean, the other big name that came out was the, the guy from, okay, Eric Bieniemy is out there. The guy mm-hmm. from uh, Detroit, who's their quarterback's coach, he certainly hasn't done it. He's not. Right? Nope. Mike Kafka doesn't sound like it's a real option because it sounds like the Giants aren't going to let him interview for it. I'm just telling you for me, for me, if I am a first-time head Mm -hmm. coach, I don't want a first-time play caller that has never called plays at any level. Now, if he's called at the college level and has some of that background and can come bring it back to life at the NFL level, great. But I would be just personally much more comfortable with somebody that sat in that seat, like flying a plane. It's a difference between being the co-pilot and the pilot. Actually, you know, steering it in and and landing it and hailing adversity and all the stuff that you got to do. I don't I don't want somebody with no hours. Give me somebody with some time on task Hmm. with that job. You know anything about flying a plane? No. <laughs> no. No, not really. No. No. But I'm going to make the analogy anyway. But my buddy Waltier, who turns 48 today, he's got his pilot's license. Does he we really? mentioned John Nordstrom last week. Would you he get into a plane flies. with Waltier? Okay, everything you need to know <laughs> next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Leslie Frazier is the first guy hired by Mike McDonald from the outside to come join his staff here in Seattle. He's a former head coach with the Minnesota Vikings. He's been all around the league over the course of a very long coaching career. And I really like this. I think he brings some significant depth and experience to the coaching staff. And more than anything, he lends credibility to any other coach that's trying to decide where they want to go. Yeah. The fact that he signed up first, I think, is a really positive thing for this Yeah, I like that word. I don't think we've used that word over three and a half hours of credibility. Connections, background, experience, all of it. But that matters. Mm-hmm. And when you're 36 years old, and, and let's you know step into Mike McDonald's shoes here. You know, what that, you know what else this tells me? It's not about me which is a big part of the reason why I think John Schneider was attracted to him in the right. first place. This was not some guru. Hey, man, this is my scheme. This is the way I'm going to do it. And in fact, I got to bring in people. This is what so many leaders and so many coaches fail. And I have seen it through my kids' sports, seen it certainly covering sports. Like, hey, man, if you just bring in a bunch of yes people and you bring in a bunch of, you know, 20-somethings that are all going to, or those from college, have no, 
And they're just going to, you, you, you want them to say yes to the mm -hmm. king. Oh, look at you. You're so mighty. You're so great. No, you know, you want to bring in a bunch of other kings, a bunch of others that got more experience than you, more background than you. Yeah, I think the more we talk about this, Saul, I'm Yeah, I really like it. I like it a lot. By the way, uh, great stuff from Ray Roberts last week on Friday saying, you know, we can talk all about the scheme and all that, but it's still not the most important thing. The one thing, at least for me, in the locker room, being a team captain and all that kind of stuff and talking to the, to the guys in the team, nobody was really concerned about scheme as much as they were concerned about connecting with whoever the coach was going to be. The real proof is in the pudding. Like when you get into the locker room, you get in front of a, a group of grown men who do this for a living. This isn't a college thing that uh, some of dudes are going to make it to the NFL and some are not. These dudes are at the place that they aim to get to, and this is how they're feeding their families. And so what are you going to do to make that connection? Because it is always, it's about the people, and it's always about the people. Well, I got to say, I, I don't know how that's going to go for Mike McDonald. Anybody who says they do, we're taking a chance here. But based on just the first meeting with him and the introductory press conference, I got the sense that that would be a strength of his. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, Mariners make another addition at the major league level this weekend, bringing in Gregory Santos. He's a reliever who was with the Chicago White Sox last year. And oh, by the way, he's really, really good. He is filthy, filthy stuff. Projects, according to Fangraphs, as the number one reliever in the game next year, according to wins above replacement. He, uh, he'll strike you out, that's for sure. Three and two. Strike him out. Bases loaded, nobody out, and Santos with sorcery. Yeah, he's got some really good stuff. Throws a fastball over 100, has a uh, sinker, rather, that he really leaned into last year, which he throws at like 98 miles an hour on average, which is sort of hard to fathom, yep. and put all of that with an Andres Munoz-style Munoz slider. And you got another filthy option at the back end of the pen. Yeah, Brash, Munoz, Santos. Opposing hitters coming in going, I don't want to see any of that. Right? I mean, it is some filthy, filthy stuff. I love what Benetti said to us earlier today, and that is, how is he going to manipulate his pitch mix? This is an organization that I would think if you're a pitcher, man, mm -hmm. and, and a guy that made – and now this guy had success last year, and it was a one-year absolute bloom that was lights out, and the projections are awesome. But how do I sustain that? I want to come someplace that's going to take my greatest strengths and make them even greater. Man, it is hard to argue <laughs> against the pitching development of the Mariners. Maybe the Astros, as Benetti said, not many teams can hold up a resume like Jerry's pitching development crew can. It sounds like he'll be pretty open to whatever. It sounds like he doesn't care about a whole heck of a lot. So if they tell him to do something, it sounds like he'll just do it because what does he care? Here's the third thing you need to know. By the way, it's also Super Week. Do you feel the excitement about the Super Bowl this year? Not yet. It's raining cats and dogs, by the way, in Vegas. Weird. Today and tomorrow. That storm that hit Southern Cal right. and the Sierra Nevada is like nine feet of snow up in the mountain ranges. Hope they can collect it this time around. Uh, yeah, that is uh, also blown over into Vegas. Hmm. Rainy, nasty today, nasty tomorrow. Some will come out at the end of the week when I think the whole rest of the crew comes in. But we know the stars, and we know the storylines behind this one. And, yeah, as, as the week goes on and into the game, Saul, Purdy and Shanahan. Are Purdy and Shanahan going to do this? Can they do what Reed and Mahomes have done? Can they take that step? Shanahan's been close, was real, real close in the Super Bowl, where Garoppolo missed a post route in the fourth quarter. Real, real close with an 18-point lead on Tom Brady. Couldn't win either of them. Do he and Brock Purdy get over that? Did Sherm get burned in that game pretty badly? 
feel like know. I remember something about Sherm getting burned. I don't know, maybe. Hey, so, you know, Sherm is tired of all the hate he gets yeah, from all the It is really fans. sad. Yeah, he's. Can you please stop with fighting with them on Twitter? Rabbit ears. Sheesh. What's going on there? All right, that's everything you need to know. Uh, quarter past every hour. Is Vegas like Phoenix yeah. when it comes to the rain? Like, you go to Phoenix because you want sunshine, and when it's rainy, like it was that Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Super week that we were down there. Was, it was just like, golly. Vegas and rain, bad deal, or then you just kind of walk and spend. I mean, all I've been to Vegas in the rain, been to Vegas in all sorts of weather. Um, I mean, it's not you know ideal, but it's not bad. I mean, most of the time in Vegas is spent indoors, right? Sorry, Mara, I cut you off. What were you gonna say? Oh, it was it was a little off topic. Now I was gonna say uh, our friend of the show, Kirk Herbstreit, was actually getting into it with people on Twitter over the oh, weekend. What is he upset about? I think about? it was. Florida was State fans? Florida oh, State you know what? Fans. I saw that. Why yeah. is he upset about going back and forth a lot? Oh, they're I don't killing know why he... them. Yeah, they've all just killed them. They're why? All... Because he, you know, tried to make the case for why the four teams picked where the four teams picked. Mm. Well, hey, your actions yeah. have consequences. Yeah, I just don't. That's the one I just don't understand for Sherm or Kirk or like why you just do that. There's no upside. Yeah, there's absolutely no upside. You're not going to convince people. Certainly by fighting them with them on Twitter, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So anywho, that's the way it goes. I was busy watching the Pro Bowl. <laughs> How was that? I, you know what I actually enjoyed? This is weird, all right? And I'm weird. You know what I actually enjoyed? Tug of war. <laughs> Did you like tug of war growing up? Uh, it was fine. I, I mean, it's I liked, fun, right? As far I as field Red day Rover games, I mean, as far better. as like potato sack race or three-legged yeah. race. Red Rover's going to be the best by far. I you loved like, Red Rover. Did you like Yeah, yes. Red Rover was fun. I really, and I would think you would have too. Oh, I did. No, I enjoyed I Red really Rover. I really liked Red a Rover good quality. Laura on over. Yes, I like yeah. a good Red Rover. Yep. But tug of war, love that. In the NFC and Aiden Hutchinson, no chance. You had no chance, AFC. Mm. And Peyton had no chance, unfortunately, because of it. Cecily, I think I've told you, he's been doing the stuff at the Crack and Ice Plex, learning to play hockey there. And uh-huh. that's one of the things they do with the kids on skates. Red to, Rover? No, uh, tug, tug of war. Of war. Oh, yeah, we. they have the kids play tug of war to really work on their leverage, leverage and their yeah, balance. Yeah. And so they're all out there in their skates. They put the sticks down and they do tug of war. And then they'll do it like all against the coach and stuff. And Cecily loves it. Like she's super into it. We did a super tug frustrated of war when she amongst the three shows including mm. producers you me right and justin yeah bump stacy c raj and taylor throw taylor no in. i think they, they'd get uh, matt nelson oh matt oh that's right yeah. maddie nelson Ooh. maddie c raj bump stacy versus yeah. you me justin amora mm. that'd be a battle that'd be man. a good battle i mean i think that we take them we take them. But we, there's no ch- we would not have a chance against Lyman, the afternoon show. Bob, right. Matt, and left. We'd have no chance. We would, would get destroyed tough. in yeah, that matchup. That would be tough. I don't like I, don't, I think like they'd start and we'd just go like flying across the line. <laughs> oh, like Revenge they of the would, Nerds. Yeah, they would just declare yeah, victory yeah, immediately. Yeah. All right. Uh we got ranked coming up here in twenty minutes. Before we get there, Brock missed a conversation that he wants to now be a part of. That's next on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Dude, you guys are just wrong with this. This is getting to be too much. I'm starting to feel bad for Mora. Matt in Oregon says Mora's got to be the anchor so her fingers don't accidentally reach across the midline. Like, that's not right, Matt. And then Matt and Beaverton, a couple of Oregon Matt, saying, I bet Mora would dominate a game of tag. She could reach everyone from anywhere. She doesn't have to run. <laughs> This is not right. 
Mora, I'm starting to feel bad for you. This is this is not oh, right. Mora, is that why you don't love narrative? hugging? Because your hands just kind of wrap all the way around the back? Like tentacles. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> she can actually hug, and then her arms come all the way back around like and front. I don't like like hanging on my friend the entire time we're together. No, you said you don't like how much Taylor Swift hugs. <laughs> you don't, I, mean, you I don't, just say I just I find it odd. Would you she's call yourself a touchy feely person? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, like physical touch is not a love language. Well, that's, would you say that's not your love language? Well, I told Justin that I learned over the years. I didn't used to think that I was a touchy-feely person in a relationship, but then when I started dating someone I liked a little more, I realized I just didn't like a lot of the guys oh. that I was dating. Maybe that's so Heather's problem because she is definitely not a touchy-feely kind of person. I was like, oh, I'm fine Northeast. holding hands in public. Like, yeah. I'm really excited. But oh. before, I didn't you like not You didn't want any part of that. Yeah. Huh. It's kind of a Northeast thing, isn't it? To be touchy-feely or to not to, be? To not be touchy-feely. Yeah, most of my Northeast friends that I work with the media are really? not the most touchy-feely. Huh. No. Uh-uh. Well, Brock said he wouldn't give Molly a kiss in yeah, public Brock after a game. Like PDA, so. That's so. different. Yeah. That's yeah. that's Brock's sort of prudish stuff. That's a whole different... <laughs> yeah. That's a completely different category. Is this a conversation that I wanted to get Brock back is, into? No. Brock is very is touchy-feely in general. He just... Yes. You know, there's a difference between that and PDA. Yeah, I'm going to no. give everyone a hug at spring training. All right. Everyone if you we see more at spring training, <laughs> ask for a hug and see what happens. Just, uh, just or, a yeah, thought. Or, or don't. Or don't. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, Maura, you brought this story up earlier. Diana Rossini Brock. Do you know her? I did not. I'm not. I'm not ever worked with her. I have never met her either, but mm-hmm. she's like a stone cold killer, man. Yeah, she's pretty fine. She is doing a heck of a job uh, with the investigative reporting stuff. Yeah. She's sort of putting herself on that level with the Wickershams and the Don Van Nattas and some of those folks that have really, really done a great job over the last few years. She destroyed the Jets last week and then was like, eh, I'm not quite done. Let me go after Ben Johnson and the commanders and everything else that happened. So this is a story she did with a guy named Ben Standig in The Athletic. And this is trying to get to the bottom of what happened with Ben Johnson and how he, quote unquote, took himself out of the running for the two jobs, et cetera. So let me just read you a little bit of it. Once Johnson was out of the running, the commanders thought they were going to get McDonald's until the Seahawks swooped in with more money. Johnson and McDonald represented the perceived wonderkind options from each side of the ball. Slotting the offensive mind to the team with a projected rookie quarterback made for a tremendous on paper fit. It was the same for the coordinator of the first defense to lead the league in points, allowed sacks, and turnovers in the same season to a Seahawks squad that plays in a division with the McVay and Shanahan. The commanders reconsidered their remaining paths, headlined by Quinn, 53, and McDonald, 36. Though both coordinators were in play for the Seahawks, McDonald was the one winging across the country for a Wednesday meeting in Seattle. He signed a contract before the day ended. Washington more than checked in before McDonald committed, league sources confirmed. ESPN and NBC Sports also reported late contact by Washington to McDonald. Another indicator, the typical length for a head coaching contract is four to five years. McDonald agreed to a six-year deal. Leverage is helpful. Also in Seattle's favor, more defensive talent, a quicker path back to contention, and modern practice and game day facilities. Mm-hmm. It all makes sense to me. The six year is is probably the biggest proof of any of that, right? I mean, that's just the the number and in, in on paper and the real number that we know. We don't know the number of zeros that follow it, but but from what I've heard, it's a significant amount. So, part of the reason that he was hugging everybody and anybody when he walked into the Seahawks headquarters after signing or on his way to signing that deal. So yeah, Washington really wanted him, and when you have two teams and two organizations that really want you, you know what you get. Uh, leverage with a capital L, and that's the best thing you can have. And you get a six-year deal and, <laughs> and one of the highest deals for any first-time head coach. 
I, I think he's a better fit than Ben Johnson would have been. Why? For those matters right there. Like, I think you've got some offensive tools. I, I think you've got some of those pieces in place. You have got to make a turn from 14 years of Pete's stuff defensively. Yeah, the, what's more confusing or interesting is why McDonald didn't want, or why uh, Johnson didn't want to go to Washington with the number two overall pick and an opportunity right. to get one of the quarterbacks that's going to be available this year. Yep. Jenna Lane of ESPN reports this. She said, I was told that Ben Johnson was, quote, turned off by commander's ownership that they're quote basketball guys and felt they were a little too confident in their football opinions. And I also heard that he quote, didn't interview. Well, he said, but clearly not a good fit for both sides. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other advantage I think you have with John Schneider with an established front office with an established front office. that's drafted really well over the last couple of years. I think a place that Pete Carroll leaves it uh, much better than he found it. With a, with a culture stand standpoint, Salk, and all the things that we raved about over the couple weeks, that this was going to be a desirable job and ended up being a desirable job. And Washington's going to be in prove-it mode. When was the last time they were good? I mean, it's been forever, but I I, I mean, look, which is a better was previous, job? There was previous ownership, and that previous ownership was one of the most dysfunctional places. And right. that, I mean, that, the fact that it's not Dan Snyder is a pretty good thing. By all accounts, never they got anything. it right at the GM it's, spot. It's new ownership that's never done anything in True. this league. So yeah. you've got to prove it. And if you're a young coach that's going into your first job and don't know if you're going to get a second job, do you want to go to a place that's in prove-it mode from an ownership or a place that's got some level yeah. of establishment where people have won before? I don't know, man. I, I think it's I, – I'm a little surprised that the Seahawks fare that much better than Washington in a in a battle like that based on a couple of factors. One, you know, you mentioned ownership. Yeah, but their ownership is brand new, whereas the ownership here is a little bit of a murky situation moving forward. How much longer is Jody even going to be in it? I think that's a huge question mark. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, again, the number two overall pick in the draft is a is a hugely, hugely uh, enticing thought. Obviously, something scared him off, and you know maybe that's real, and maybe he was worried about the non non the basketball opinions kind of leaking mm-hmm. their way into football, mm-hmm. and then also maybe he didn't interview that well. And by all accounts, that's yep. been true in both cases. Yep. I'll tell you this: I feel pretty good about the fact that the Seahawks got Mike McDonald instead of Ben Johnson. Mm-hmm. I, time will obviously tell and bear all of that out, but as we sit here today. I feel pretty good about Mike McDonald over Ben Johnson. Yeah, do you feel, you know, and we talked about this when the news came down the day after, that, geez, kind of like the Baltimore and Seahawks draft, mm-hmm. right, with Matabuike and Queen and all those guys because they were right next to each other, pick after pick after pick, round after round after round, so you could kind of compare and contrast the Hawks and the Ravens. We're going to probably compare and contrast Washington and Seattle. Sure. Dan Quinn's higher the next day. He goes out and gets Cliff Kingsbury. Did you want Cliff Kingsbury? No. Cliff Kingsbury to be your offensive coordinator? No. Okay. I didn't. Yep. Did you want Dan Quinn to be your head coach? Nope, you didn't. Now time will tell if Dan and and Cliff and, and, you know, Dan's staff that he's putting together, I think he already named a D coordinator as well. Like if that crew, you're going to go toe-to-toe with, right? You're going to come, you came in the door a day, 24 hours apart from one another. It'll be kind of fun to compare and contrast and follow the two. You want a little breaking news? Minor breaking news, but kind of interesting breaking news. Justin just just shot me this note from Albert Breer just moments ago, Brock. You might find this interesting. The Seahawks are going to try to hire a Harbaugh. Jay. 
The Seahawks are working on hiring Michigan's Jay Harbaugh as their special teams coordinator per sources. Mm. So rather than join his dad, Jim, in L.A., Jay will team up with ex-Wolverine staffmate Mike McDonald in Seattle. So with the option of going to hang with his dad or his uncle, mm-hmm. he's choosing Mike McDonald. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to have Jay Harbaugh, Brennan Carroll, and Steve Belichick all here at the same time. You got a Harbaugh. Holy Can smokes. we get a Lombardi or something? Is there, I mean, like, does Jimmy Johnson not have kids? Is there not a Parcells around? Like, what's going uh, on? No, Joe Lombardi, I think, hired in Denver. I think Sean just hired him or okay. has him on staff. So, no, you've, uh, yeah, and you always said it, Salk, you wanted a Harbaugh. I did want, want a Harbaugh. You wanted a Harbaugh. John was a pretty good special teams coordinator, right? Yeah. Obviously led to a pretty good coaching staff. Yeah. I like some of these things. I don't know. Everything I'm hearing coming out of that building right now is kind of like, hmm, kind of like it. Oh, hold on one eh, second. Kind of like Go, it. Read that news again, by the way. Why? I'm sorry. No, just read it to me again. You want me to read you the Jay Harbaugh news again? He's, he's going to be hired as what? Special teams coordinator? <sighs> what? I like Larry Izzo. I know. I know. It's a bummer oh, for Izzo. Gone it. I know. Assistant special teams, or did he say yeah, like special teams? It says just special teams. Doggone I know. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. It's a special teams coordinator. Sorry, buddy. Sorry oh, to break that to you, and sorry to Damon. Bummer. I know that I hate this. They're move. close. <laughs> what are you thinking, Mike McDonald? I know this Larry Izzo had top five special teams the last two years. He's on the same page with his guys and his specialists. I don't like this move at all. Ah. <laughs> wow Brock is fiery this morning I do like Jay but that, I'm kind of bummed have you that. met him I have a few different times impressive yeah, I'm trying to re- yeah yeah I'm trying to remember this year he and I had kind of a different conversation on sounds, the field before the right game. I mean he's yeah. a Harbaugh that's kind of what happens he's no 34. but he's not like that yeah no he's, he's not? not no 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 much more yeah, he's going to be a hoodie and a sport coat kind of guy. Yeah, much, much more buttoned up in that way. Is this whole staff going to be hoodie and sport coat? Like, are we going to see Leslie Frazier adopting that look? What if we – are we going to see John Schneider adopting that look? Mm. That that will be the real big turn. He went hoodie the first day, but like old retro Seahawks hoodie. Right. And then the next day was just his typical, you know, um, sport coat, collared shirt. Right. It's John, if we see John Schneider start to go, I think John could. I think John could absolutely fall under the influence of Mike McDonald's fashion. Well, okay, advice. I got one more for you. I'm fascinated by how fascinated you guys are. With oh, the I got one. More. I think everybody's fascinated. I got one more this. for you. I'm not. Taylor, how many people? Didn't Taylor say all of his friends is all they could talk about over the but weekend? But he said he thought it was weird. But that's Taylor. The, you guys are too deep into sports. That's your problem. That's right. You guys are too deep into the X's to and O's. see the hoodie and sport coat that's right in front of you. You have to think of it just on like a human level for a moment. I know that's hard for you, Maura, as you know, whoa, difficult whoa, whoa. as it is for you to be touchy feely and bring your shot. <laughs> I will. I object. I'm your about honor. to be real touchy feely with your puppy. Oh, that'll be good. True. She'll like I'm that. excited. She'll definitely like that. <laughs> very so, excited. What happens when we see NASA? That sounded threatening. Pearson. I'm very excited to meet your puppy. I'm going to be real touchy feely with your puppy. Like, <laughs> oh, weird. are you? Salk. Maybe my puppy won't come say hi to you then. Salk. Yeah. What happens when we see NASA and Diamond Dave Pearson in a hoodie sport coat? Do we draw the line there? Is enough enough? All right, well, let's just be clear. NASA looks good in whatever he wears. Like, NASA's like... Stylish. He's stylish. Yeah, NASA pulls everything off. He looks good. He's cut. Like, the Pearson. whole... Yeah. Dave? Don't go hoodie sport. Don't yeah, I don't do see that, that for don't him. Do I don't no, I don't, don't see do that, that as what a... Just as the Jordans. Can we settle for the Jordans? Do you think Pearson will wear those? Uh, Yes. 
Okay. Yeah, I think you know. Dave's got pretty good Meet footwear. In the middle. I think mm-hmm. he, I think he'd be willing to. You know who's going to love that is Dave Sims, as you know, big footwear guy. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So McDonald's, thirty six head coach. Yeah. How old they say Jay Harbaugh is? Thirty four. Yeah. Thirty four year old special teams coordinator, offensive coordinator. Don't know yet. Going to be another thirty something. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think that they're. Re- How old is Ryan Grubb? Mm, he's got to be older than that. He yeah, is forty. My age, forty-seven. Yeah, twelve-seven. Leslie Frazier was born in nineteen fifty-nine, so they're balancing the whole thing out and looking for a lot of diversity on this staff. I like it, and I like the fact that there's going to be a Harbaugh involved. Let's do some ranking. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwumfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Salk. Top ten list. I'm not buying it. Ranked. I know you guys have been saying that Bump and Stacy get to break all the news, but they didn't get the special teams coordinator, John no, Harbaugh. No, no. Or Jay Harbaugh. It's official yet, though, is it? Oh. Because <laughs> well. they're working on hiring. <laughs> yeah. Why you guys got to be such killjoys? Just making sure we have our We have major correct. breaking news here in this show yep. that didn't go to Bump and Stacy, and you guys got to, like, poo-poo it? Maybe they're waiting just 15 more minutes to confirm it officially so they <laughs> can't have it. This will happen at 10.15. Yeah. I was more interested in realizing that the Harbaugh family is doing a J thing. Like, J, Jim, Jack. John. Mm-hmm. Like, they're doing, like, a Kardashian mm. thing. I think of them as sort of the Kardashians of the football yeah. world. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Was that a, was that important to you to have your kid's name end in Y? Uh, no. <laughs> it was not. You know what was important to Heather though huh. was having names that you couldn't add a Y to. Also, they couldn't be shortened into like a Mikey, like, a, right? Yeah. Jennifer, Jenny, that yeah, type yeah, of thing. Yeah, like yeah. she she does not like that. So oh. that was important. So we stole the like we wouldn't even let it happen by by putting the Y in already. She didn't like names could be shortened. That's smart. Right? She's not a big nickname person. That's smart. She's a Heather, obviously. Can't be shortened. <laughs> what do we rank it? <laughs> Anything. Anything we want. <laughs> it's been a weird day. Uh, yeah, we are ranking ranking anything today, Justin. Yes, anything. we are. Uh, like Ellie Goulding. She's my celebrity crush. I think that's a good one. Oof. I love her voice. Ooh. Ellie Goulding. Ellie she's got Goulding, a great yeah. voice. I think she's right there. Songs are good. Like, she's yep. a good pop star. She is. Ellie Goulding? Ellie yeah. Goulding, yeah. Huh. I'm a fan. Lights is one of my favorites. I love that song. Yeah, Close to You, I think, or Close to Me. Yeah. I love that song. She's good. Yep. She's good. Good interview, too. Uh, we could go back, Brock. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, like, musicals that have anything in them, like Oliver. Oh, I do Really hit nine notes there. I was in a production of Oliver. Oliver should have been in We Are the World. I didn't realize how high a octave. Yeah. We Are the World was sung in. Yeah, it's funny when they start going through it and everyone's like, I'm not going there. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you can't sing like Michael, just just lay out. Okay. (laughs) Steve Perry. Steve Perry got up there. I think Daryl Hall, a couple others, but Diana Ross. Yeah. Yeah, I was in. I was in Oliver. Played what? Bill Sykes. Say, what'd you do? It was Bill Sykes, the bad guy. You recommend the uh, We Are the World documentary? Yes, yeah. strongly. Oh, that was great. Yeah, especially if you like Huey Lewis, like I do.
king of anything. Yeah. Brock, I know you're a big Thin Lizzy guy. Do you remember when we saw the Thin Lizzy statue? No. In Dublin? No. Phil Lynott statue? That's no. where we ran into Nat, our old intern. I just don't want to know. They also sing The Boys Are Back in Town, Brock, which you once said. Uh, the Boys Are Back Again. There you go. <laughs> I knew you knew it. Yeah. I love Thin Lizzy. Everything I listen to, I'm like, why do I listen more Thin Lizzy? Jailbreak's a great song. Cheryl. Like an alarm clock in the background? Yeah, some music videos. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Love that song. Yeah. That was that whole era of 90, like mid late 90s pop songs. Mm-hmm. They're all the same. Definitely. Alt country pop. You know what I found the most fascinating about that whole We Are the World documentary? What? And pretty soon, maybe next month, I'm going to get to share some professional news. It'll be kind of fun. Mm. Is to see where creative comes from. And when Lionel and Michael had to write that song, Mm -hmm. what they listened to, how they got in the mood, how it really started, you know, like, is it a ballad? Is it, and just the humming of it, you know, just how it was cool the way the, the, uh, his story totally left out drug use. Entirely left out of every pop star in the 80s staying up all night to record a video. You can Mm. tell who was producing it. Yeah. Kind of like the knights, he said. He's more of a knight guy. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, weird. That's weird. <laughs> anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. Oh, you can. Yes, yes I, I can. can. Oh, you can. Yes, yes I, I can. can. Oh, you can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. There you go. That's Not top from, five anything. No, that's for Manny Get Your Gun, though. Well, I hope you do what I, what I hope you do for the top five. Do the right thing. All right. Well, we got Say Anything from with uh, John Cusack. Are you a John Cusack fan? I like the board game. I don't want to sell anything buy anything or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed or buy anything sold or processed. Process anything sold, bought, or processed. (laughs) Uh, For uh, old school fans, Brock of the Mickey Mouse Club, you probably know that Wednesday was Anything Can Happen Day. Mm. Uh, Let's see, you got Anything But Love, Jamie Lee Curtis and Richard Lewis. Mm -hmm. Big TV show. You ready for the top five? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like you are. Maura, right. you Do ready? The right thing. You seem especially oh ready for the Do top the right five. Thing. Number five. An honorable mention and a top five. Yeah, well, it's a Jay-Z version. Yeah. It brings it into the top five. Can't really play into the Jay-Z When you keep parts. saying do do the right thing, are you saying you want me to put either Static X or Simple Plan into the top five? No, I, I didn't even put Static X. I knew you weren't going to do it. <laughs> Anything but this, Static X, of course, everybody knows it's top five if you're you know, right. a rock fan. But uh, I know you weren't going to. So there's another one that you need to put in the top five. Not I know plan, you love this song. So it's here for you, Justin. Number four. Too. Come on, I memorized this entire album. I bet you did. Oh, I loved it. Meatloaf? Meatloaf. Justin loves Meatloaf. It's really a, I mean, I love that album. It's so weird. So <laughs> it's not weird. It's really, weird. It's more of it like the Jim, Jim Stein and them. Than you ever sing that Meatloaf. to Betsy? No, yeah, I've karaoke'd it, and she was there. Wow. You're younger than me. Meatloaf was like not a thing for me. Meatloaf is such a thing for me. <laughs> you memorized the album? Yes, the whole album. Because it, like, it was like a rock opera. So good. Justin first learned of Meatloaf when he saw Fight Club. That's not true. My mom loved Meatloaf, too. <laughs> That's not true. Number three, anything Jane. ranked. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> 
Kevin Garnett screwing up Adidas's slogan of impossible is nothing, which he was supposed to yell upon winning and instead <laughs> screaming anything is possible oh and becoming legendary while doing it. It's <laughs> better for Adidas. Be, I don't really. know. People at Adidas are like, really, man, you're supposed to yell impossible is nothing. <laughs> Does Jane make a good meatloaf? Yes. Yeah, my mom makes good meatloaf. Yeah. I like meatloaf a lot. I do too. Underrated. Yeah. My dad, my dad likes meatloaf. Of course, he, you know, dips it all in ketchup. Ketchup, yeah. right? He does the right thing. Oh, yeah. Can't help you it. Gotta do the ketchup on top, bake it on. Yeah, there's already on there, but he needs a lot more <laughs> ketchup. Like, it's like the ketchup he puts on his baked potato. Right. It's just a vessel for Sweet more ketchup. Sweet potato, uh, you name it. Yeah. Well, you gotta put butter on there and then some ketchup. Like, no, you don't have to do that, Dad. It's a sweet potato. What's the taste good to you? It's like Patrick Mahomes. Number two. Guns N' Roses, originally done by Hollywood Rose, which was Axel's band before Guns N' Roses. Anything goes from GNR. That's a good one, man. That's an underrated song. It's got some of that, like, punk influence to it. They played that at Coachella? That's number two. No, they didn't play that. Are you sure? I don't think they did. I think they did. They played for, like, four and a half hours. They They probably did. Number one of Anything Ranked. Roy Orbison. Love that. There you go. That's anything ranked. We've ranked anything, nothing, and something now. That's a solid Which was Monday best. ranked. That's a solid Monday. Was that a good Monday? It was a good Monday rank. Yeah. Nothing was good. We had King Nothing in there. I did like nothing. Yeah. Nothing more. Nothing else matters. Nothing face. All right. We got to go. Um, <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6. Stick around for Bump and Stacey. I'm sure their show will be more serious than ours was today. But we absolutely would kill them in tug of war. I think we'd have a pretty good fight on our hands there, but I'm not messing around with the afternoon show. No. Bob and Dave crutch us like I'm bugs. working on my upper body strength, but it's not How's good, it going? guys. It's not good. Are your arms as built as Miley's? No. She's jacked, man. Her arm, she looked strong last night. Barn. All right, stick around for Bump and Stacey. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. The hay, as Brock just mentioned, is in the barn. See everybody. This is the chopper!